In case you haven't noticed, we love podcasts. In fact, we love building podcasts, everything from development to production. Because of all that, we're building a -a one-of-a-kind podcast network. If you have a podcast or looking to launch a new podcast, then we should talk. You can message me on Twitter at Eric underscore Kaz or hit us up any way that works for you. Let's talk about your podcast joining this one-of-a-kind podcast network. Hello, everyone, and welcome to From the Players Podcast. I am Sydney Supley, where I'm here for all of you past, present, and future players. This is a place where we keep it real and hear from athletes on who they are beneath the jersey and off the fields. Without further ado, I would like to introduce you all to a competitor of mine who I have a ton of respect for on how she impacts the game. Brooke Nelson, a senior pitcher and first baseman, and we love pitchers who can field on this podcast. A home state kid who is playing for her dream school, the University of Washington, and is already a founder and CEO of the BN Performance, her very own company where she trains and empowers the next generation of softball players. Today, you will hear conversations about the upcoming softball season, mental health, what Brooke teaches her athletes, and who she is behind the jersey. Welcome, everybody. I am super excited to be here today with Brooke Nelson from University of Washington. Brooke, how's it going? Good. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited that this is coming about and you're able to snag me on. Absolutely. And we're so honored to have you, especially two weeks away from season. I can't even believe it. It's so fast. I know. It's literally snowing here. So the thought of like taking a ground ball in dirt is so absurd to our team. But how are you feeling coming towards season? Good. So excited in the fourth year. So super excited to kind of see what this new year has to bring, what this new team is. So super excited to kind of get the ball rolling. Yeah. Give us a little insight. Like what's one thing people should know about your team that maybe not many know about? Yeah. Well, we didn't lose very many fifth years. So we have a lot of people coming back. We only lost Pat and Gabby. So we have a lot of people coming back. The freshman class is really strong. So I think we're pretty well versed between, I guess now it's the five classes, but I think there's a large kind of good array and spread of everyone. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And I mean, from someone who's been across the field from you guys, it seems like you all are truly like best friends, which I think is the coolest thing at all. Like how has that chemistry developed over the last four years? Yeah, I mean, it's definitely something that we all kind of strive for. We all kind of look for in University of Washington, like just being each other's best friends and you know, when people speak on their why they went to university, you always the environment, the people. But then when you kind of really get there and like you really get to know each other and kind of see it in a different light. But I mean, we just spend so much time with each other and like we love being around each other inside and out of practice and games and everything. But we just try and spend as much time as possible with each other. Yeah. Especially for you. I mean, you are a home state, Washington. You know, I was doing a little research and I didn't even know. I think you still hold the record of the longest state championship game. It was what, 13 innings? Yes. It was wild. And it's funny because I had played one of my now former teammates, Sammy Reynolds. And so we were playing her in the state championship game and it it felt like it was never going to end. (laughs) (laughs) I hope. Were you pitching the entire time? The whole time. Yeah. Oh my goodness. I can't even imagine your pitch counts. Wow. I mean, it was kind of the point where like your adrenaline takes over and like you don't really feel anything. (laughs) I mean, you don't even really know what's going on. You're just going. 
Yes. Oh my gosh. I can imagine. So was it always Washington for you? Was that always the dream school? Yeah. So I grew up in the state of Washington. My dad was a walk on the football team. He's now a Seattle firefighter. So we kind of grew up around the area. Hometown is just an hour south of campus. So I grew up going to basketball camps, volleyball camps, softball camps, like anything I could get my hands on as a kid is sports-wise. And then my parents actually had season tickets to the football game. And so for those that don't know, the University of Washington, we used to have an old stadium where the track was around, like track and football kind of shared the same area. And then I think it was maybe 2012, 2013 is when they kind of renovated it and then track up the room facility. But we actually had season tickets to football since I was like six months old. So there's baby pictures of me kind of in a baby Bjorn, like on mom's chest, going to the football games. And it was kind of just the hometown dream, you know, grew up going to the I'm sure, you know, like the weeknight skills clinics that each university will kind of put on. So kind of grew up going to that and always knew that I wanted to do that. Mm-hmm. I mean, my family is from Washington and I literally cannot think of a more beautiful state. I don't know about you, but like I cannot get enough of Pike Place Market. Every time I go, it's like I have to go there. Yes. Oh, there's just so much beautiful about like your campus and just university. And that's so exciting that you're able to yeah. be there. Yeah. I mean, we kind of call it like, you know, we're kind of this hidden gem, you know, we're kind of in the corner of the U.S. So it takes a special person to kind of like the area, you know, you kind of, you get all the four seasons and everyone always says, it's always raining. It's really not, you know, you have your months where it's more <laughs> raining and you have your months where it's not, but that's what we always say. It takes a special person to be able to you know, come across the country. Mm-hmm. You know, I've actually heard, and this could be a myth, but they say it always rains, but it, like you said, it doesn't rain that much. It's just to scare people because, you know, Seattle's already too busy and they don't need anyone else moving there. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? But a big reason why I really wanted to bring you on is because you do such incredible work with just younger girls. And it's so empowering to see. I mean, oh my goodness, like you are a CEO and founder of BN Performance, which is your own company. Can you talk me through where did that dream come from? Yeah. So it was actually shortly after we had won the state championship in 2018. I knew that I kind of wanted to give lessons. It kind of started with Part of my summer job is I work, it's technically under the Mariners, but it's called Mariners Grand Slam Baseball Softball Camp. So it's basically youth baseball softball camps and it's kind of founded under the Mariners, but we kind of work all day in the summer. We're kind of a traveling group. So it'll go Monday through Thursday and then every week we'll kind of go to a different location. But it kind of started there where I realized, okay, like this is a thing I enjoy. This is a thing I'm good at. I enjoy working with kids. I enjoy teaching kids the game. So then I kind of wanted to do something more softball specific, more specific in the area. So then I kind of started giving lessons. Okay, so I was a high schooler. I didn't, I knew what I was talking about, but I was totally brand new to the whole giving lessons things. And so it was, it was at the local fields. It was at the middle schools, the high schools, you know, it was always rain, sun, dependent. Yeah. So it just kind of, it started with two kids and then it worked to five and it worked to 10 and it worked to different teams. And then, you know, I'm getting texts of, hey, you gave a lesson to so-and-so. Can we get in contact? So it was just kind of like anything. It was just a network that grew. And then kind of when COVID hit, there was a lot of, you know, as we all had downtime and reflecting and everything. And I want to do something with it. I want to put a name on it. I want to put something on it. And so that's kind of where the idea started. And it's still very brand new. It's still in the growing. And I'd say that idea of like coaching has probably been around for five years, but, you know, with the business name and title and everything, that's probably under a year. So it's still very new kind of as a business, but still trying to figure out, you know, the ropes of everything. 
That's incredible. And so, I mean, you're a current college student athlete. You're busy. How are you able to work that into your schedule right now? It's tricky. You have to kind of find those ditches of time where you have that ability. So I really used winter break, for example. I had reached out. There's a Facebook group of all Washington fast pitch. And it's a lot of parents. It's a lot of coaches. It's a lot of team organizers. And so I kind of posted who I am, my business. There was a good chunk of people that had already knew who I was or, you know, because I've been out of the youth game and I, you know, I don't have kids and I don't have siblings that are still in it. And so I'm kind of far out reserved of that. But I kind of posted, you know, my name is Brooke. You know, this is my business. This is what I do. I play softball at UW. You might recognize me in this state, but hey, I have this business. I have this coaching gig that, you know, I want to offer to you guys. And you know, I wish I had it as when I was their age. And so I actually did, I think, six or seven camps. And so the way I structured this year is just I contacted the coach and, you know, as long as you guys secure a location, a field, a time, I'll take care of the rest. And so it's a little tricky while I'm in school, but the goal is to, once I've done the school, possibly bring it to like an online platform to where, you know, there's so many coaches that'll approach me and my kid's playing and I don't know how to teach them to pitch. Like, can you help? And so just to be able to provide kind of the educational tools of here's how very first, you know, teach someone to pitch or here's how you very first instruct or here's how you can run a team practice or just kind of be able to provide that educational piece for coaches that need the help and parents who need the help, but hopefully to bring it to an online platform to where, you know, it can be accessed anywhere versus just the people I can see in person in the state of Washington, which is very limited. That's incredible. And I mean, I can relate to you so much. Like growing up, we just didn't really have that. And now as current players, the game has grown so much, which is so, so incredible to see. And I love that this is like a future thing for you. Like you are ready to bring it to the next level, which is so amazing. So for anyone listening that maybe is not in the state of Washington, if I'm someone you're working with, what is something you want me to get out of working with you? Yeah. I mean, I build kind of my teaching and I guess you call it a foundation, just kind of on the idea of as simple and as cliche as you know it could be taken, just the idea of one, hard work. Like it's going to take time. It's going to take a process. It's going to take a learning curve. But then also the idea of just like, you have a dream. I want you to, you know, I always encourage all of my girls to like, like, what do you want? What's your dream? Where do you want to go? And it's like, I don't care how big it is. Like your dream is your dream. Because that was me as a kid. Like I had a dream of playing at the University of Washington. And it's like, I never let anything kind of get in that way. And everything I did was kind of going towards that one goal. And so, you know, I always encourage my girls. It's based on hard work. It's based on building a dream. Yeah. And I don't know if you can relate to this, but I feel like we're both from similar, smaller towns. And something for me, like I had so many people tell my parents, like, you need to basically kind of like put your kid in, I don't want to say a reality check, but she doesn't want her dreams to be crushed. Are you sure that a kid from a small town could really play college softball? And I had to learn how to believe in myself and foster my own dream. But here you are basically telling these younger girls, hey, no, you can dream and you can make that dream a possibility with hard work. So what is something for girls who are maybe having that similar experiences to what you or I may have had, where not a lot of people are asking them about their dreams or people are telling them that they're too big? Yeah, I mean... It's the sad reality as women, especially just as women in general, but women coming from a small town, like you're going to have this big dream and people are going to tell you every reason underneath the sun why it's not going to happen. When it kind of comes down to that, it's kind of a, hey, you do you, I'll do me. You know, this is my dream. I always encourage my girls just, 
you can't let anything get in the way. Like there's going to be things that try and get in your way and you just have to kind of bulldoze right through that. And just everything you do is working towards that goal. And so kind of what I was working for the University of Washington, you know, is okay, when I'm in high school and you do all these goal settings and I would always write down that goal. Like I want to go to the University of Washington and everything I did, anything from strength training to school to exams, like that should be your motivating factor, if that makes sense. Absolutely. And did you ever have any times of doubt maybe when you were growing up playing, like, can I make it to this next level? And how did you overcome it? You know, I know you said you wrote down those goals, but was there any hard moment that really you were able to turn around and, you know, it defined you and brought you to Washington? Yeah. I mean, I think it's full of ups and downs. Like you're going to have your days where it's like, I don't know if I deserve to be here. I don't know if I can do it. I don't know. And I feel like the biggest learning curve was just freshman year, you know? You grow up being the best of the best. And then you go to college and it's like the best of the best are all wearing the same uniform, which is tough. It's kind of, I wouldn't say it's a tough pill to swallow, but it's kind of just tough to, okay, now what? Like, now what's my next challenge? You know, and I think it just poses, especially I'm sure you can relate to this, like your freshman year, there's so many learning curves. Like, you know how to play, but I always use the reference of like, it's almost like you're learning to speak a language because every team kind of does things their own way. And it's like, you have to learn all of that right at once. Like as soon as you walk in, it's like you're learning how to be fluent in that language, if that makes sense. Yes. And so I, it's full of ups and downs. And I would say just, I think the thing that helped me was just how neutral can I stay with those ups and downs? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's so big. I mean, especially freshman year, you just, not only are you doing softball, but you're trying to do life, you know, as a college student, it's definitely a learning curve. And once you get there, it's a fun ride. But, you know, I was looking a little bit at kind of just your website and I thought, you touched about something, how you almost had this holistic approach. And I saw one thing was unbreakable confidence. Can you dive into really what is unbreakable confidence and how can you achieve it? Yeah, I would say, you know, my whole goal is just empower young women. The group that I'm usually able to reach is like the young kind of kids who are just kind of first getting into sport, first getting into, you know, whatever. But I would say, especially as women, there's so many things in society that want to break your confidence that there's just a few more barriers that we have to kind of loop around and opportunities and anything that you want to name it. But I would say just teaching young girls, one, how to be confident in themselves. And of course, it kind of starts with the physical abilities. And so how can I do everything as a coach, as a mentor, as an instructor to provide you with the skill set that you can be unbreakable confidence, but then also kind of provide them with the mental aspect. And so that's kind of something that I never really learned, never really thought about until I got to college. And so how can I teach that to them? And how can I hold some mental workshops? And, you know, I'm by no means a licensed mental health psychologist, but I would say, how can I use my experiences, things that I've encountered and just kind of teach these girls how to use their mental game? Because if that was something that I knew at their age, you know, it would have been a game changer because I would have been working on your mental game the whole ride versus just learning that when I get to college. So kind of providing them that opportunity to where they're confident in their skill set and then they know how to be confident kind of on the mental side when stuff hits the fan. I think you touched on such an important part that I really like want to dive deep into is just the whole like mental health side, right? Like I don't think it's talked about nearly enough in sports, specifically collegiate sports. Like it's real people who've maybe never dealt with it before deal with it in college. Like we see it all the time, just this pressure on us to perform But it's also pressure that we can put on ourselves sometimes too. You love your team so much. You love university and you just want to make them, your parents, your team, everyone around you proud that you 
pile it up and it's a heavy, heavy weight to carry. And I think there's so much lessons to be learned outside of the field too on how to navigate that. Like, do you kind of have a story with mental health throughout your college career? Like how you've been able to navigate it or if any of those feelings you've had to work through? Totally. I would say it's definitely something that is probably newer to the college and, you know, collegiate athletic atmosphere. And I would say kind of a big, I guess, learning experience was just when I was on the WASAC board for UW, which is kind of a student athlete advisory council. You know, I'm sure it's called something different in every institution, but we were kind of having a Pac 12 conference with all the other presidents. And at the University of Washington, we have kind of licensed mental health specialists that are kind of on staff. And I had just assumed that that was the same across the Pac-12. And kind of when we had that conference, it was just us and one other institution that had it. And I couldn't quite wrap my mind around, what do you mean you guys don't have anything? Like, what if blah, 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 blah happens? Like, what do you guys do? And they're like, well, we don't have anything. That was just mind-blowing to me because, you know, in my opinion, I feel like every institution should have at least someone on staff that these athletes can go to, these athletes can talk to, these athletes can... Because not every program, every sport, every coach, not everyone is going to have that opportunity to kind of learn the mental game. And so being able to have someone that could provide you with these adequate tools that can help you success on and off the field, on and off the court, I think is huge. But I would say my journey kind of was just kind of like we talked about earlier, just you have your skill set and you have all your knowledge and then you're learning to speak this new language and it's super overwhelming. Like I know how to play, but you know, it was this self-doubt of like, wait, do I? Like, I don't understand what they're saying. I don't understand. I know I know how to play, but... And so it was kind of this learning curve of jumping into freshman year. You know, there's so many different things changing. You're learning how to do college for the first time. You're living in a dorm. You're away from home. You're learning this whole new thing on the field, you know, and all while trying to like, figure it out real quick. There is no, come on, you got it. Like you got to figure it out real quick. And so that was kind of a learning curve. And I just remember at the time, one of our seniors just reaching out and just saying, hey, you're going to hit up. And she just talked to all of our freshman class. So she talked to all four of us. And she was kind of, hey, you're going to hit a point where stuff gets really, really hard. And like, you're going to have these feelings and these thoughts. And I want you to reach out and I'm like, okay, like this not going to happen. You know, sure enough, it happens. And I'm like, dang, this is hard. She was right at the time. You know, at the time I was like, oh, she doesn't know. It's not going to happen. Here it is. And so, you know, I give her a call and like, dude, I'm struggling. Like, I don't know what to do. I feel like I'm in a little fishbowl almost. That's what it felt like. And so she referred me to kind of the process that UW is just, you know, you're having these feelings, you know, you want to talk to someone, whether it's anxiety or depression or like anything else, eating disorders, you name it. You kind of talk to our, we have kind of a point person and you kind of meet with them and they kind of determine, okay, what's going on? Like what would be best to kind of, to see, to talk to. And so you have two options. You can see someone like a sports psychologist through the University of Washington that's on campus. Or if you prefer to see someone off campus that doesn't have this link to UW, most people like want to go to the on-campus just for like a convenience sake. But you can go to either. And so that's kind of what I did freshman year. And so going to therapy weekly, sometimes bi-weekly, sometimes monthly has been a game changer. Just being able to kind of be filled with these tools and this mindset of neutrality that I can, you know, and the art of breathing and the art of meditation that I can kind of take with me on the field has been so, so helpful. Yeah. So taking it onto the field, 
what does it look like? Especially like, let's say you're on the mat, okay? How can you apply the breathing, meditation, either before the game, in between innings, in between pitch? Yeah, I think sometimes it's like your heart rate gets so high, but sometimes you don't even realize your heart rate is so high. And so, seriously, (laughs) I have my Apple Watch. I can't tell you how many times it's like, take a deep breath. (laughs) Like, didn't even realize. (laughs) You're like, I'm fine. I'm fine. (laughs) But I would say just being able to kind of incorporate, like, one, having a routine. You know, do you have a routine before you go up to the plate? Do you have a routine before you step on defense, before you step on the mound? You name it. But just something that, you can go to like time and time again through success, through fail. And so being able to have something that is consistent, it's actually something that we all on our team try and work on. So like when people watch, you'll see a lot of people, Bailey Klingler for, you know, comes to mind for the first and just her routine. And it's the same every time, every time she steps in the box, she looks at the left field foul pole because it's always going to be there on every single field. So that's kind of her focal point, that's kind of part of her routine. And, you know, that's where she takes her breath. And it's a little different for everyone. But I would say just incorporating just a breath into your routine that you can go to to lower your heart rate. You know, especially as pitchers, it's so easy to just roll, 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 roll right into every pitch. And it's like, you're not stopping yourself. You're not breathing. You're not intentionally trying to lower your heart rate. I love that so much. And, you know, it's so critical. And I love how you went into kind of depth with it because not everybody has those resources that, you know, your institution has, you know, I'm fortunate we have a similar process and people who are there to help us. But for anybody listening who maybe doesn't have that, you know, they can learn a skill or two and how to apply that. And how much would you say even, you know, just mental health and the mental training, are you working with your younger girls? Because that's so important at a younger age to be able to kind of develop that and understand that, there are human beings outside of softball, right? I feel like so often our identity from the beginning to when you're in college, it's one and the same. And you can go about your day and your mood can be completely impacted of how you played in the game that day or how you practice. And how have you learned and taught your girls how to separate them and realize, you know, softball is what I do, but it's not who I am. Yeah, I mean... It's a hard piece to separate because especially at the college level, like you've been playing your sport for so, so, so long. And it's like, I think the hardest thing has been the rise in like social media. And it's like that kind of supports the attachment of like your sport and your identity. And just at least my learning curve and kind of what I've displayed to my girls is just having some sort of separation, you know? And I think... One of the best resources I've kind of learned is it's called Heads Up Baseball. It's a book written by Ken Revisa, who is, he worked with predominantly baseball players in the MLB and he was kind of this mental game coach. And so that Heads Up Baseball book, I think is an incredible resource for people that, you know, they're wanting to tackle their mental game, but they don't know how, they don't have a resource. And so I don't even know how much it is, what $20 book or whatever it is is huge. And I think reading that book and doing those exercises will just transform your mental game. Can you give an example of like one of the lessons in the book or exercises? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it talks about kind of this red light, green light, yellow light of emotions. So this traffic light of emotions. And so it's like, when you're in a green, your heart rate's on the lower end, you know, you're super focused, you're playing real well. When you get into the yellow, it's like, okay, you struck out, you gave up a home run, you made an error, like these easy like trigger things are happening. But then 
in my opinion, I think the yellow was the most important because when something happens, do you go to a red kind of when you spiral out of control or do you kind of take it back down into a green? And so it kind of, and that's something that we use all the time. It's just, you know, a piece of that language. And so identifying kind of what color you're in, like, okay, I'm in a green. I'm good. I'm focused. I'm calm. Okay. Something just happened. Whatever it is, game of failure, you know, stuff's bound to happen. And so when you get to that yellow, because it's inevitable, how can you bring yourself back down to a green? You know, every athlete's experience at some point when you're in that red, it's like, it's uncontrollable. Like you're so far gone, this like emotional train of I've lost it. You know, I'm frustrated. I'm pissed. I'm crying. I'm whatever. But I would say it's so, so common to go green straight to red. Like we just skip that yellow. And so kind of in the book, it just talks about, it takes you through some exercises of just identifying triggers, like what sends you to a yellow and then what sends you to a red. And then, you know, what do you feel? Like I knew what would send me into each color, but I had never taken the time to reflect on like, what do I feel when I'm in each color? And I'm like, dang, my palms get sweaty or, you know, I do this, I do that. And so it kind of talks about what do you say? What do you feel? What do you do? And so kind of being able to go through that just simple exercise of just three colors, I think has been huge. And just being able to identify like, hey, I'm a little anxious, like something just happened. How can I go back to my breath, go back to my routine? And it just goes further on and just talks about when you're in these colors, here's some tools you can use. You know, here's a release. Like I think the biggest release is when Gabby used to pitch and something would happen that would send her into a yellow wood, whatever. She would pick up dirt and she would kind of squeeze it. And that squeeze was kind of initiating that, okay, it's gone. It's out of my control. But she would actually throw it behind her shoulder. And I was like, Gab, what are you doing? Like, why are you throwing dirt at me? I'm like, what are you doing? You know, at first I thought it was silly. And she's like, you know, she's from Australia. So it would always be mate. It would be, you know, mate, it's in the past. Like I just threw it behind me. Like there's nothing I can do about it now. And at first I was like, Gosh. Okay, Gab, like, whatever. (laughs) I love that so much, though. Yeah, but now I'm like, man, she was so right about it. Like, just literally. And so it talks about just different tools that you can use. The focal point, your breath. It takes you through different breathing exercises. It takes you through, like, a routine. But I think that release of just, I mean, you know, there's so many different releases. Like, some people wipe their hand on the dirt and they're wiping it away. Some people, they're playing a corner position, you know, next to the foul lane, they'll step foul, have their moment, you know, and then when they step fair, you know, these are just things that like, you don't really notice from like the naked eye. You don't notice from watching TV, but it's like things that athletes are doing to ultimately, like if you go back to the traffic, like ultimately bring them kind of out of the yellow, out of the red, back down to that green. That's so powerful. I mean, it's amazing at how much our mind controls who we are and how we play. And it's so easy, like you said, to go from that red, green or green to red and just to, you know, and stuff, it's the fan to just really like internalize it so much. And I love the example you gave with Gabby of just letting it go. I mean, we both can relate as pitchers. Sometimes you just like want to hold on to that pitch, but you can't get it back. The most important pitch is now the next pitch. And it's how quickly can you move on? You know, people say all the time, softball is such a sport of failure. And it's really the people who are mentally tough. And there's a reason why your team is so talented every year is just from those little, little things like that. And, you know, I hope anyone listening today can now watch your team in like a whole new light and kind of watch how women are able to reset themselves and then like go compete the next pitch because that's what it's all about. 
Yeah, and it's so hard. Like as women, we naturally have this need for approval of others. You know, and you naturally have this need of, well, what does my coach think? What do people around me think? And it's just kind of naturally how women are. And so that's when these things are so, so important to be able to educate and like give your athletes, give you this like toolbox of tools that you can use when stuff starts to go south. Yeah. Our coach says all the time too, like she's raising us to not only be softball players, but it's like to be mothers, to be wives, to be bosses. And it's so, so real. I mean, we have a really cool staff right now where Kate's daughter just turned 11. Michelle has a one-year-old. So we constantly have like their kids at practice, which, you know, some people are always like, is it a distraction? Which you have to look at it like, you know, I'm watching these mothers also like have incredible jobs and they don't need to pick one or the other. And it's so amazing what sports can teach you in that way. And have you felt like some of these tools like you've learned, you know, in terms of the red, yellow, green light, like you've been able to apply to your careers or just life off the field? Totally. I love what they're doing. And I love how you said just bringing their kids to practice. It's like you're seeing them put it into action. And there's a couple of girls that are in a master's program. It's called Intercollegiate Athletic Leadership. And one of the classes they're taking right now is on coaching, you know, and they've learned like there's one thing of a coach to just tell you, like, we're raising you to be women. We're raising you and you're like, okay, but it comes to another level when you see them do it. And so I think that's so cool that they just, you know, they bring them and you're able to see what they're saying to you guys and kind of put it into action. Absolutely. And kind of to go off of what we're talking about, like what are some of your passions, hobbies? Like what can people know about you when you're off the diamond? What are you doing? What do you love to do? Like who makes you you? Yeah. I mean, right now, it's like there's not a whole bunch, but I pour my heart and soul into coaching these girls and just being able to have that role model because I was such a huge, you know, I looked up to all of these athletes that I would go to camps and it's like, you go to camps and Sid was my coach and later it's like, now I'm here. And so it's just, I just idolized whoever it was that was my coach or whoever that, you know, maybe I just got their autograph and I had no idea who they were, but then they got their autograph and I was like, I was obsessed. Like I was fangirling. Like I was that kid. And so now just being able to provide the opportunity of, you know, I'm huge on like giving back. And so, you know, after games, especially in postseason, like when they're, I'm sure you know, like attendance rises every game playing postseason. And so especially when you're at home, like, you know, maybe the beginning of conference, it's like, oh, there's some people like cool, but you know, but then when stuff starts to get exciting and you do well, it's like more people come and I always make a huge, huge effort of like, I don't go back to the locker room until, you know, the that last girl gets her ball signed or her whatever signed. And so, but I think that that's so huge of just, yes, there's so many eyes on you, but there's so many little eyes on you that are like, they want to be you. They want to be Sydney Supe, that, you know, that's playing college softball. And so they just idolize you. And maybe you know the eyes that are on you, but I think that there's so many eyes that people just don't know. And so I, I have always made that effort. And I know that I always personally respect and admire other athletes that like make that effort of giving back. Because honestly, like I would go to UW softball games as a kid and if they didn't give back or they didn't stick around for photos, I think of Danielle Dory. Like I would go to games when she was playing and like I would wait for her autograph and I would notice that she would be the last one out there. Mm-hmm. And she would be the last one taking pictures and signing everything. And so if she didn't do that, I mean, who knows if I would have this dream of going here. I guess that wasn't really answering your question, but kind of outside. Ooh, I- no, no, no. But that's what makes you so special. And 
you know, that's why like you are going to do so many amazing things in this sport beyond like when your time is done playing. And it's actually fun you say that about Danielle because fun fact, my first ever college softball game was Washington and I got her autograph and I will never forget it. I think that was the year they won. And like, I just remember being like, same thing, like you said, you just idolized her so much because she took five minutes with you. And those five minutes turns into people's lifelong dreams and their motivations as younger kids. So what you're doing is so impactful. And it's something that you'll probably never understand how great what you poured into these kids, what it's truly become. And it's so beautiful. There's probably so many kids playing softball because of you, which is amazing. Yeah. And it's such a small little portion of your day. Like you're taking 10, 15 extra minutes to stay after in your uniform and take pictures of these girls. And then you go home and it's like, you don't even think about it. Like, do you really need to be home 15 minutes early? No. Exactly. But I think like we as athletes, it's a thing you do. You sign these autographs and it's like, okay, then you go home. But that's something that they go home and they hang up in their wall and they look at every day and they just like love, you know? And so it's just, I'm humbled every time that like, I'll sometimes I'll run a camp and I'll do the same thing. I'll stick around, whatever you guys want, sign pictures, like you name it, like I'll do it. And I had this girl, her name was Caroline and she came up to me and she had a picture of her and I. She had taken a little selfie like after the game, but she had it and she gave it to me. And she's like, I just want you to know like how impactful and like I look up to you. And she gave me the picture and like she gave me the autograph one and I still have it. Like it's sitting on my desk and it's like, it's just reference of how much of an impact we're making, like whether or not we make it. Wow. That is one of the greatest stories I've ever heard. I love that so, so much. That is so great. I just cannot thank you enough for your time. And I have to say it again, like there's always been something special about you, not only as a player, but as a person. And I got to hear why I've kind of always felt that way. And just, it's exactly true. Like you are making an impact on this game. And it's so amazing to see a homestay kid playing out their college dreams and then giving back because there's probably so many other homestay kids who want to be just like you. And I'm super excited for everyone to be able to follow you and your team this season. It'll be so exciting. You guys are opening up at... Where are you opening up at? We're in Irvine. So we're at the Mark Campbell Classic. Okay. Very cool. Any last minute goals or anything you're excited for this season to close it out? No, I'm just excited to, you know, play with the new group. I can't thank you enough for being able to provide this platform of just being able to let people kind of tell their stories and have that conversation. So I love what you're doing. I think it's so, so cool. And I can't wait to kind of listen to the other people that you bring on. Thank you. I appreciate it. But so honored to have you as our first and stay tuned for our next episode. In case you haven't noticed, we love podcasts. In fact, we love building podcasts, everything from development to production. Because of all that, we're building a -a one-of-a-kind podcast network. If you have a podcast or looking to launch a new podcast, then we should talk. You can message me on Twitter at Eric underscore Kaz or hit us up any way that works for you. Let's talk about your podcast joining this one-of-a-kind podcast network.